Hi, baby. I'm, baby, you have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm on the plane. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. In a country that most people would struggle to find on a map, in a compound that few possess the courage to enter, men from my previous life took the fight to our enemy. In that compound, they found men that pray five times a day for your destruction. Those men don't care about your religious beliefs. They don't care about your political opinions. They don't care if you sit on the left or the right, liberal or conservative, pacifist or warrior. They don't care how much you believe in diversity, equality, or freedom of speech. They don't care. I'm sorry you've never smelled the breath of a man who wants to kill you. I'm sorry you've never felt the alarm bells ringing in your body, the combination of fear and adrenaline as you move towards the fight instead of running from it. I'm sorry you've never heard someone cry out for help or cried out for help yourself, relying on the courage of others to bring you home. I'm sorry you've never tasted the salt from your own tears as you stand at flag-draped coffins burying men you were humbled to call your friends. I don't wish those experiences on you. But I do wish you had them. Most will never understand the sacrifice required to keep evil men like those from that distant compound away from our doorstep. But it would not hurt you to try and understand. It would not hurt you to take a moment to respect the sacrifices that others make on your behalf, whether they share your opinions or not. It would not hurt you to take a moment to think of the relentless drain on family, friends, and loved ones that are left behind, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, sometimes forever. Ideas are not protected by words. Paper and ink may outline the foundation and principles of this nation, but it is blood, only blood, that protects it. In that dusty compound, 
A man you have never met gave everything he had so that you have the freedom to think, speak, and act however you choose. He went there for all of us, whether you loved or hated what he stood for. He went there to preserve the opportunity and privilege to believe, to be, and to become what we want. You have the choice every day as to which category you want to be in, in which direction you want to move. You have that choice because the best among us, the best we ever had to offer, fought and bled and died for it. Don't ever forget that. Number five. <laughs> like that, like that, that salty ass first sergeant. It they don't say hurrah, they say it Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh sit rep tonight. Me and uh your co host my co-host here, Alpha, will be uh I'm I'm pretty stoked about tonight's show, folks, because uh we're gonna get a taste of you know kind of the old core, so to speak, here a little bit. And uh, you know, Alpha and I have talked about you know putting a lot of these stories of some of our veterans, uh, you know. The World War II generation, I mean, it's all but gone at this point, you know, and it's something that doesn't really hit you until, you know, you realize it's it's gone. Those stories, whatever's not, you know, down documented, it's it's gone now. Um, you know, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I had the opportunity to go to uh, a recording at the Library of Congress and put my story down. And uh, so now that's, you know, pretty much enshrined in the record. And that's something that uh alf and i have kind of debated doing you know trying to get more of these folks on record i'd i'd love to be able to do it in person but that's extremely expensive you know flying around the country and, and meeting with these these vets so we're gonna we're gonna try it out tonight uh here on this stream uh but before we do that you you want to jump in we'll jump into our first sponsor here but you well, want to have anything before we go to that first sponsor you know i have this vision in my mind that there's probably gonna be this really huge Badlands headquarters one day with all these different studios that are themed out. You know, you got sit over here. What's that? We call it Badlandia. Badlandia, right? <laughs> Baladonia, right? <laughs> and you know, and and we will. We'll we'll get to to meet these these gentlemen and 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 some ladies uh with these stories because we're all Marines, but these are the Marines. You know, these are the veterans, you know, the, these guys are, they're just cut from, from a cloth that you just don't find anymore. And there's just so much that we can learn from, from these men and women. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for tonight. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before we bring on our guests, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, first sponsor for the show. And uh, it's a very fitting sponsor for tonight's show. Okay, Badlanders, with election season now in full swing, Trump train sightings are predicted to be higher in the coming months than ever recorded. Are you ready? If not, we've got you covered with the heavy-duty hitch-mounted flagpole uh, kit from your Patriot store built to withstand higher speeds. The dual locking system with pin and thumb screw will keep your flag securely in place, even on the highways. Made in East Lake, Ohio, this heavy-duty hitch mount comes with a 3x5 American-made flag, 
uh, for you to proudly display in your vehicle or on an easy pole flagpole at home, also found at your Patriot store. These are heavy-duty flagpoles, proudly made in America, built with extra quality and care. To get Badlanders ready for the upcoming election season, your Patriot store is offering buy two flags, get one free, and buy two t-shirts, get one free. You have to use promo code BADLANDS35 to get this exclusive discount, so hurry. This deal is too good to last. There's also a huge 50% off site-wide sale happening now through next week, so hurry. These deals will not last visit badlandsmedia.tv slash patriot store and use promo code badlands 35 all right ladies go ahead no i was gonna say you want me to do the next one for you next yeah. one's gold co right yeah sure all right let's do the next one gold co you guys are you concerned about the six trillion dollars at stake in the upcoming 2024 election the wall street journal has reported a critical issue the looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025 Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts while Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not. There's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit badlands.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver. But hurry, supplies are limited. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today at badlandsgold.com and take control of your financial destiny. Or you can trust Biden and what he's doing with the economy. Central bank digital currency. All right. Uh, and before we bring our guests on, ladies and gentlemen, if you could just please hit that thumbs up down there at the bottom. It's uh, right there between the uh, next to the comments button. And uh, that helps get this show on the leaderboard, show some appreciation for our guests as we bring them on right here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to welcome Vietnam veteran Marine Corporal Gary. Gary, how are you doing, sir? All right. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. So go ahead, uh, Gary, before we get into uh, tonight, why don't you just give us a quick overview in terms of, uh, you know, obviously you were a Marine, uh, a corporal. What exactly did you do in the Marine Corps, sir? Uh, I was just handling Marine Corps stuff. Just, like, uh, on, uh, vegetation, stuff like that, just talking. And then I was corporal in the Marine Corps, I hit the bed down with a private in nine months I was a corporal. Wow. From in nine months you went from a private to a corporal? Yeah. Wow. So I was just gonna say, what what'd you do for a job when you were in the Marine Corps? I was a battalion scout in Vietnam and uh, led the troops in combat and stuff like that. And um, in Vietnam, I was a trained young Marines, how to fight and how to talk, stuff like that. So when, you know, when the Vietnam War kicked off, what, what year did you enlist, sir? Let's see. Eight, nineteen, eighty-six. Wait, say that again. Sixty-eight. 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 Sixty-nine. Sixty-seven. Sixty-eight. Sixty-nine. I was in the Marine Corps. 
Okay. And now when you enlisted, were you enlisted or were you drafted first? I, I was volunteer Vietnam. Okay. So you, so you went in, if, if you don't mind me asking, uh, can you give me a, a general idea of where you're from in terms of the state? I'm from Brady, Texas. From Texas. Okay. And how old were you when you enlisted, sir? 24. 24. Wow. So you, so let me ask you, cause that that's, that's a, a, an interesting thing right there. We have that in common. I was 24 when I enlisted, I wasn't, you know, 18 years old and got out of high school and went straight into the military. I, I was 24 when I enlisted. What, what was, you know, what was your motivation to enlist? Like, did you, did you have a sense of duty to, to fight in this war or what, what was your driving factor behind, uh, joining the I'm Marines? A volunteer for Vietnam. I always go to Vietnam fight. From uh oh, we lost him. Yeah, we're good. Okay, so say that again, sir. I'm sorry, you broke up. I'm in the Marine. I won't be in the Army or anything. I won't be a Marine. Okay, so you wanted to be a Marine. So, so you growing up, was that like always like kind of your ambition to join the Marine Corps, or, or was it just like when the war kicked off, you're like, I have to do something? Yeah, my ambition is a little boy. Be a Marine, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, I've had dreams about Marines and stuff like that. I want to be a Marine. Uh, I didn't go into it until I had done several years of welding. I had grown welding machines and stuff. I built the two sand plants around the back of our body. I call a leader. And, and the war went on in Vietnam a lot. Volunteered to go to Vietnam. Marines. Gotcha. Uh, what what do you mind asking? And and I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Alpha. I know I dominated this. Uh, <laughs> what what unit were you with? A what? What unit were you with? Well, I second time for the Marines. Okay. In Vietnam and uh, third Marine division. And when I come here back here, I was just a Marine, Marine corporal. I kind of gave lessons and stuff like that. Gotcha. Go ahead, Alpha. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask, do you miss it, or are you glad it's behind you? No, I, I volunteered as a volunteer in Vietnam. I enlisted in the big go Vietnam, and I went to Vietnam. I took all kinds of combat training in the Marines and the corporal. I mean, as a private, and I went to Vietnam. I asked you if you would, if you were going to miss it. Do you miss being a Marine? Huh? Do you miss being a Marine? Yeah, I kind of do. I miss. Uh, I'm glad I got out of it because of Vietnam. <coughs> So when, when you, when you enlisted, uh, you know, you said you went from private to corporal in nine months, which is really quick for anybody that knows. I mean, that's private to PFC, Lance corporal, corporal, that's almost four ranks in nine months. That is, I mean, I mean, it, it's kind of a testament to, to what the Marine Corps needed at that time. You know, I'm not, I don't want to knock your service, but that's ridiculously fast, like ridiculously fast. Um, and, and it's a testament to, I'm sure if you were a sniper, you know, if you were a scout, uh, you, I'm sure you were, you know, top notch Marine, you know, that's not a job that just anybody, uh, gets that's, that's a highly sought after job and a, a well-qualified job. 
And, and so, you know, I'm sure that you were uh, a more than capable leader out there. Um, so what was your timeline when you joined in 67? How long was it that you were in training until you found yourself, you know, on a plane essentially over to Vietnam? Well, I was in training in Camp Hilton. Oh, your West Coast Marine. Ugh. <laughs> in the hills and stuff in Camp Hilton. Um, I became a, a leader, a kind of squad leader. And then when I joined the, and we accepted the Vietnam, well, they made me a corporal for advice because I was a leader. And um, I did pretty good in combat, and so did the men. And I was kind of a leader. And battalion scout is a point man for battalion, and point man for company, point man for platoon. And that's kind of work I. I was quite there in training, but when I got to Vietnam, I kind of volunteered for a scout, and I was a battalion scout. Or that was the same time from the Marines, third Marine Division. Do you still have contact with any of the guys that you went over to Vietnam with? No, I don't. I kind of let them. Mine kind of blew out of mine for a couple of minutes for that kind of stuff because of war. I got two purple hearts being shot twice once in LA, once here and there, here, and it's artillery DMZ. But, um, so you got shot twice, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and so yeah, you got here and so you got shot once in the leg and once in the head. I got one concussion in the head from oh. oh, gotcha. Bombs dropped DMZ Vietnam. Bombs dropped it. Supposed to drop 2,000 mountains from previous twos. They dropped it in the 1,000 meters or where I was at in DMZ. It kind of messed up my hearing. Holy crap. What? So, <laughs> when, when you say, man, it's. <laughs> You're pretty badass. <laughs> pretty badass. When you were over there, how long were you actually in Vietnam for? Like, how long was a tour, or as we call it, a, you know, deployment? It became a deployment nowadays, but I think back then they referred to it as a tour. How long was your tour in Vietnam for? Ten months. Wow. Sixty-seven. I spent all, just about all of nineteen sixty-seven in combat in Vietnam. Wow. Let me say something to this because I want I want the audience to understand this because a lot of times people ask me too like, well, how long were you over there, Alpha? And about a little over nine months. But people have to understand is no, I'm saying when I when I went, you know, it was, it was right around nine months. But people have to understand there's yeah. a difference from going into combat and, in other words. When you go out to war, but the main efforts of it are done, so you're not like in combat 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, there's a difference, you know, six months, seven months, eight months of, you know, daily combat. Ten like, months. That's, that's a lot. And, and you know. January first. Oh, no, we lost him. Well, there he is. He's back. He's back. We got him. Yeah. So, so Gary, when you were over there, 
Uh, and, and Alpha brings up a good point. You know, right now the Marine Corps does well. When we were in in Iraq and Afghanistan, we did seven month deployments. Anything over over that was considered extended. The Army did fifteen months. You know, twelve to fifteen months, depending. But they got to come home for a few weeks in between. I, 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 you know, my heart goes out to them Army guys, man. That's that's pretty bone saw. I'm not gonna lie. I don't give the Army a whole lot of love. Uh, you know, jokingly, of course. But that was that was pretty impressive. The army going over there as long as they did. But when you were over there for ten months, what kind of what what was your day to day routine? I mean, were you seeing combat every day, or were you guys? Did you have a lot of time in the rear where you were kind of you know regrouping, you know R and R type stuff? Oh, he he's muted. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't hear him. Muted. Hold on, hold on. Dan, it, Dan, if you can hear us, we can't hear Gary. I don't know if there's you might, a... might have hit the mute button on the phone, on, on the screen. Yeah, we can't hear him. D do me a favor, uh, Dan, uh, go ahead and, uh, and close, close it out and then rejoin us, and hopefully that'll reset whatever, whatever was touched. And uh, we'll, we'll be right here waiting for you guys to rejoin. Oh, poor Gary. I think he's still telling his story. I know. We can't hear it, and I really oh, want to hear man. it. So let me do this. Let me. I wonder I if he can. If he can. I think he can hear us. If you can hear us, Dan, wave your hand in front of the screen. Okay, they might not even be able to hear us. Here, let me just do this. Let me just. I'll just kick it, and then they'll, they'll rejoin. I'll force them to rejoin, see if that don't fix it. All right. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why I want to do this. This is one of the reasons why I want to do this in person, you know, so that all of the the tech aspect is completely on us when we do it. Mm -hmm. You know, we can set all that up. So we'll, we'll have to figure out a way that we can do this, man. Like maybe, you know, every other month meet with somebody uh, to sit down and have a conversation like this and get their perspective. Because I'm wondering, you know, 10 months over in Vietnam, that's insane. And, you know, like when we see the footage from Vietnam and everything. If, if it's 10 months, like, and that, and that's the thing is like, before I was in the Marines, my perception was when they go over there, it's like seven months of fighting, like the whole time, like you're fighting, fighting, fighting. And I was like, I was like, man, that's a lot. And then I got over there and I was like, seven months of fighting turns into like two weeks of actual fighting. And then the rest of the time is training and building the base and you know, that kind of stuff. So. Well, going back to the point you had mentioned earlier that hopefully people caught it, Corporal nine months. Now, what I'm guessing is since he was a squad leader in boot camp, he probably graduated as a PFC. Right. That's still corporal in six months because three months is boot camp. Mm -hmm. So that means corporal in, in six months. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you know. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to text him, um, I did. I did. I sent him a message already. Okay. And let's, let's just go ahead and we'll, we'll hit, uh, our next two sponsors here and we'll, we'll, we'll do the sponsor thing a little bit earlier than we planned, but you know, with the difficult technical difficulty that we're having right now, uh, let's go ahead and jump into van man. Have you had enough of big pharma and big toxic ingredients, ditch the harsh chemicals and embrace nature with us for too long. 
We have been hypnotized by big companies in hypnotized by big companies into using their chemical slop products. Their clever marketing campaigns and heavy lobbying allows them to use words like natural to describe products that are anything but. Meet the Van Man Company. We're all about natural organic remedies. Hop in the van and try out famous tallow and honey balms as a daily face and full body moisturizer. Use their miracle tooth powder made from ground eggshells and ground cattle bone to remineralize and naturally whiten your teeth. And try our new coconut magnesium deodorant to keep you smelling fresh all day. We got you covered and we do it all with products sourced naturally from American farms and made in San Diego, California. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash vanman today and get free shipping on all orders over $40. And let me just tell you, man, like those are two products right there that scared the crap out of me. Toothpaste and deodorant, because it's two <laughs> things that we use every day. Toothpaste is loaded with fluoride. Deodorant is loaded with aluminum dioxide. And both of those are really, really bad for us. And so I got to get, I, I tried the toothpaste. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. I just, I got to reorder it though. Like I got to get a, a, a shipping schedule set up there. Well, so. and, and our armpits, man. I mean, I know <laughs> that's kind of an awkward conversation, but stuff that goes into your armpits. I mean, you're talking about a quick access to your bloodstream. Exactly. Like, you exactly. know, and your limp and there's I don't know if they're called lymph nodes right there, but you yeah. you have they they are they are still yeah. You know, you have a lot of stuff there that you know you want to take care of. Looks like uh we got our guests back, so we can All bring right. them on do a sound check. All, All right, right Gary, check. you got us, sir. Yeah. yeah All right. Good. We're good. All right, gotcha. we're back in action. So we lo we lost sound with you, Gary. But I was asking when you went when you went over to Vietnam for your, for the ten months that you were there. What was like kind of like walk us through what your day to day was? Were you you know seeing combat every day? Was was it you know you you'd get called up for a mission or what was the day to day routine over there? What you yeah. do every day? Um. Went to Okinawa, went right to Cuba, Quantum Then I yeah, played troops and stuff. It's just how I was just a private for our back on the bed. I went to Okinawa in the range. When we did a drink it tight down there and just had a good time. But, but when you were in Vietnam, what was your day to day like? Yeah, some days I was on nerves, nerves because of combat. Because I had 12 operations where I went out in the field and I had an operation where I went and found the goose, killed them, and stuff like that. Then we came back in for four, four months of camp every 24 days. And we had drink beer and take part in the Then you back out to another operation. I was in the Leopard 13 months of operations. So, like, did you, when you were in Vietnam, did you have, like, a, you know, kind of like a forward operating base that was built up with, you know, structures and all that? Or was it mainly, you know, was it 10 months of sleeping in tents and sleeping on the ground? Oh, yeah. Tent. Camp Evans, we had tents with same background. For our and stuff. Then we had bunker in case they got attacked we were in that bunker and using machine guns and stuff. But we had more attack for our there. And then um, we come back in the after eight, eight to six 
60 days, 17 hours, 17 days of operation in the field for helicopters to get out. So we got down and went after the goops and had firefights and stuff. Did, anyway, did you ever, Gary, did you ever go into any of the tunnels that you guys would find? No, I wasn't. I didn't get to go to the red fallen rains that went into the tunnels. We went to the tunnels just to aggregate them, make sure there wasn't nobody in there alive. And then the small Duke going, going, small Marine was going to the tunnels and getting a weaponry they had. Stuff like that. That was just going apparatus for a pound one, good for staying and stuff. We were all in the mountains, Vietnam, we were real jungles. Man, it was just bad. We got points, you walked 10,000 yards from a loop, and you had to use your ski first to die and, uh, in the trails of the mountains. We go over and had the camp with 16 or, or more marine uh, groups that were not even the things that were. Staying trained to be the calm, we ran into those firefights and we wiped them out, stuff like that. We killed 16 in one camp, and uh, the rest of them had to change the jungle, no way. Just stuff like that. And then another lady would go into a village where most of the calm and we attack them. Whatever men or women, and they're women too. They carry guns. I think a woman shot me in the leg. You got shot by a woman? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I'm, I'm not saying that to, you know, as an emasculating thing. That seems to be a common word over the last few days since the Fanny trial. But uh, it's, it's you know, that kind of plays into, you know, one of the things that we're told is that we bombed women and we killed women and children over there. And, I mean, when you're sitting here saying you got shot by a woman, then you're fair game. If you're going to pick up a gun and you're going to shoot at a man, then you're, an then enemy. you're fair game. You're an enemy combatant. Wow, I'd never heard that before. Well, you just shot Woman had butt jumps on him. He said, Lord was man, that's where he shot at him. He said, What did he weigh about him? He did five, six hundred yards, something like that. And the villagers, the Vietcong trained the women to steal through the day. He had trouble with that third bomb, set boot traps and stuff for you. And we had a lot of villagers we went into. One was in Clang Tree, about five miles east of it, it was down our river. I went down to scout the river out, I was a tag scout. I went down to scout the river out, me and three other guys. And we all got, got one shot, shot and wounded. And um, anyway, it was down our river, five miles east of Clang Tree. And we had a big firefight. Where other guys up on one kind of hill, and that's where they, they went up there and got me back from being shot in the leg. But then yeah, I called in airstrikes on the other side of the river, two of them, two, two jets, and come in and bombed it. And then the helicopters come in, two of them, and machine gun the 
trees and stuff along the river on the other side where I got to and I'm scared up car. Don't worry about that and everything. To to do the ten who called in abstract and stuff. Helicopters. Helicopters here. They were bad dudes. They could have helped us out. Yeah, yeah we hear stories about those helicopter guys. Go ahead, Alpha. Yeah, I had an opportunity um, last year to to interview a pilot of of one of those Hueys. I got I got to get them so you can have a chance to talk to him too, man. It's just pretty awesome, man. P- pretty freaking awesome, Gary. I, I don't know uh, if you still you know watch war movies and stuff like that when they came out, but there's a, a movie that came out. I mean, it's a couple of years ago. I was trying to look. I, I know more than. I want to say more than yeah. 10 years ago. It's with Mel Gibson. It's called We Were Soldiers. Um, did you ever see that movie? Yeah, I watched him. And I tried to figure out something to stay set apart. 10 yards, 15 yards. And one troll. And put inside troll, something like that. And she gave me a point. And um, I thank God I had to, you had to, Lieutenant heard the charge walking with the machine gun back in the air, radio back in the air, back behind the com. Have a hot point there and, and guarded the brain of the brain radio man for that. <clears throat> One of the several operations. How did that move? Go ahead. Sorry. Don Ha. Big firefight. Don Ha and Camp Evans is climbing tree. Camp Evans was in between 30 miles north of um, Hearn and Hom. That's on Indy. And climbing tree was up, up south. Real operations all in there. We in the mountains a lot of time. We try to find the gooks and the operations. So all the mountains and kill them. Go on trails and build mountains and stuff. And that's where we're in Genesis to all point in the jungle like that on trails. Because I usually wait for them. We found them and kill them all. We get hold of. I remember one time we got a suicide probably up in the mountains. And about in the trail, about 16, killed 16 gooks. This is a little camp there in the old trail. And the rest of them run away, got away to the mountains in the jungle. But then, they both. Pretty scary walk forward and we happened in jungle while I'm on the trip down jungle dressing because I'm trying you couldn't see her five fifty five yards in front of you. The jungle and trails on the trail because my groups and stuff. Anyway had a big firefight one time and killed sixteen dukes. We got the bodies, you know. And Did the rest they- of them dropped all his camp. Run away from me. So, with, with, Gary, 
was that like an ambush that they had set up for you? Because, I mean, when you guys are walking through the jungle, you said you can't really see more than five feet or five yards, rather, yeah. uh, in your direction because of the jungle cover. So, I mean, these are people that are way more, uh, you know, adept to fighting in that that climate and that that area. They know how to, you know, they, they, have ju they just have better skills, tracking skills, all sorts of things. And so, you know, did you guys constantly face like the threat of ambush like that, where they could just come out of nowhere? Yeah, we ambushed, ambushed several times. And we were down on rivers where we got ambushes. But when you jump on fire, we used to surprise them. They didn't think the Marines would be up there, you know. That was their, that's how it means. That was their training area where they recruited goats for. You know, well, point and all that kind of stuff for them. We ran in the trails and we ran into them like that. One time we ran 16 of them in Juggle Larry. Just to them get grain bearing in Juggle. Sometimes we crawl after we leave, we go in a couple of days. We call it ice tracks to that area of about. And blow them, get them blown away. Gary, I know you said they're calling high strikes in the mountains. G Gary, when when I remember I thought we were going to do one of the valley where a group would have changed some particular change of group here, but and um, we got all hills up there about 15 hills up there, one four and two four Marines and flew by. We told them we didn't help them to make salt on that. Yeah, that's all about it. Where the two or three divisions of goop trucks and the journals, I mean, our generals finally called out, called our generals come in. They called it off the ice truck because the recon Marines got down them and the helicopter got shut down. And they had to be It is lots of goops in that business. That's all about it. And this is Marines two times one day before force, one attack force. And I said, Do we Marines die? So they called it off. They said, We'll just be 50 and be bombed. Just keep bombing on them. That's a big place. You call it that trick. Bomb, good. That's a ship in the air, is what it is. I got three out of you coming back. Gary, I have a question for you. It seems like a lot of the, the major conflicts our U.S. military has been in that the Marines usually get some type of nickname or just, you know, the enemy and even the locals will always kind of just separate us because of the way we fight. Um, like when we're in Iraq, you know, because Marine Corps, we're poor, right? So we're in the desert. We still have black boots and green camis. And so they didn't call us Marines. Oh, well, they would call us. <laughs> they would call us. They, they would call us. Hey, hold on here. Go ahead. Uh, well, hold on. Let, me just, let me just address this real quick because I see people in the chat talking about it. The term, the term uh, gooks, actually, uh, I, I believe it came from Korea originally, uh, where the people there were, were, were called me gook. Like that's their, that's their ethnic whatever. 
And so when in Korea, when the Marines would meet these people and they say, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Marine, I'm American, whatever, they would say me gook. And the Marines thought that they were saying me as in like, you know, like, like if you like don't speak me, with me, Marine, you blah. And so they would say me gook and the name, the nickname gook just stuck. It's not, I see people saying, you know, racist. It's not racist, folks. These people are trying to kill each other. We have a respect for one another that nobody will ever understand. Uh, so, you know, whatever it is, that's that's just what they refer to. The Marines invented that term. The Marines get to dictate what that term means. Go ahead. Absolutely. One hundred percent. You know, just they would refer to us, you know, in Iraq as as the black boots. That's what they would call us. You know, that's how they identified us. So my question for you, Gary, did the yeah, enemy... Did the, did the enemy out there, did they look at you guys different or fear you different than they did the army or the air force? Like, how did the enemy feel about the Marines? I got my room. They called Marines, I guess. I don't know. I had my interpreters in the tent with the eight tank scouts. They come around there and they we had trying two of them for coming. And I didn't all the things. Talk talking about them. Talk to them. They were they would go with us before we went. Two of them were. Yeah, I just two attached to golf company. Two to the scouts. And we had two dukes that were helpers. They were with us. But you know, when we DMZ. When those groups disappeared, they didn't want to go. They would go DMZ with us. DMZ was hell. Bombs and artillery and stuff like that. Goof had artillery. If we ate two more, what the Marvinese had, they lied to more of them. We had just some more fights with them. Because our more fights didn't last last year, but we got an air strike. And they acknowledge the group from Bob, Bob Bob's. Big Bob and Pound Five Bob's. And the air tracks were. They also had a helicopter kids. You know, RMC getting hot on the rockets. They come in. They acknowledge the companies that we are anything that we are about because the air strikes called us a lot of hell. They were called, got to get them. Dukes didn't have archery or nothing like that. They didn't have air strikes. All the time was mortars, 82 mortars. 80 mortars? 82. So they, so they had, had They had 82s. Yeah, 82. so I, Russia, 82 mortars. 82 mortars. Mortars were 80. Other guns were made in Russia. AK 47, they were made from China and Russia. So I was, I was an 81 millimeter, I was a mortarman myself. So I dealt, dealt with 81 millimeters and, uh, you know, the 82 is the, the Russian variant. Uh, so, you know, I know that's a pretty big boom, uh, when they hit, but the, the thing about mortars is that they're, they especially the in it, well, in a jungle environment, they have predetermined locations. So you, you, yeah, they, they, had like 60, almost 60, they had lost 60 mortars. Maybe six more Yeah, so I mean, they can do some pretty big destruction. Like when you when you shoot a mortar into a jungle and you put it on what's called near surface burst, which means it detonates 
about three feet above the ground instead of like the mortar hitting the ground and blowing up it detonates above the ground and what they do is that explosion splinters trees and everything else and just creates like a whole uh you know plethora of of shrapnel that we got in Mars, got down on Mars, bomb holes, and started the bomb out, closed down trees. You couldn't do that. Then Mars go off the trees. And you have a clear spot. Right? We used clear spots where bombs had dropped. We could go where Mars were. That's why I A1 and A2, A1 Mars were. What sniper rifle were you guys using? M79 and What's, uh, what? it's 270 caliber. That's what I was going to say. What's the, uh, the you know, c- civilian equivalent? You know, now we use seven, uh, Remington 700s and other things like that. So the, yeah, so M79 was a 270. So, okay. So it's 270 Winchester round. Yeah. That's what the division cybers had. We tell you, we didn't have sniper rifles. We had AK-47, had M14, and we used to turn the dial for yardage, five five hundred yards plus two thousand. We want to see that far. We just out and open. We just thought we used a sniper rifle, and we called it division snipers because we had the. But three or four battalions, uh, three or four scouts, that's where I was just We go out with the snipers and division. Two of them set up somewhere. And we go out there and protect them. And two or three of us, it was uh, M14. Times, well, sometimes they have an M16 gun. Sounds the south of the United afterwards, mountains up the river. That's where I lost snipers. And we go out with and stop them. And the field overrides guys are holding in the hills and truck. And we use that. We use the M14. The snipers, we, we had to let these snipers come in and go with us. And they used M79s. Two seventies what they used. Awesome. Let me, I want to, you know, I want to get to, you know, the way you were treated basically uh, when when you returned from Vietnam, because, you know, the atmosphere around war was totally different there uh, back then. But, but before we do that, do you have like any, what's, what's like your favorite, and and I use the term favorite loosely because, you know, it's not necessarily a a good thing, but do you have like a, a story that really sticks out in terms of, you know, just something that happened, maybe you were in a sniper hide or something and you had guys like, you know, inches away from you. Are there any stories that you have that really stick out from your service in, in Vietnam? Well, I didn't go out with sniper very much because I always would be a bodyguard to a, to oh, a no. captain, a golf company or something like that. And uh, well, point, I'd be going on night ambushes, most of them were, were used around Hill 41, 
Celtics, Dan, Gordon, Cypress coming in, I mean, the Duke coming out of the mountains. Blood car blew up our airfield and then nine, we used to have ambushes in that time. We used the M14, or sometimes we used the M60 machine gun. We might get up as long as the minutes. We had some firepower when we have ambush. Not time scouts were getting beat down, but some of them did return. Anyway, yeah. I mostly suffered down around the Nang, Fubai, Camp Abbey, Pine Tree. But up around the DMZ, we used to dig in and try to get ourselves with artillery, our mortars, and stuff like that. Mm. Gary, when you were out there, did you ever have a chance? Um, any any run-ins with the with the famous Carlos Hathcock? <laughs> what now? When you were out in Vietnam, did you ever meet those uh, a Marine sniper famously known as Carlos Hathcock? Um, did Did you ever meet him, or did you know of him? I know of him. Today, he'll forty one. I'd go out with them and protect them. Two or three of us go with them with our bag weapons, and then they'd be stopping. I don't ask for them to stop it. Right around DMZ, you had to stop them no more. It was all battle lines, all mortars, all terrain. Sometimes I had two or three uh, times of heads, 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 or so goose, or goose. My business, you try to attack this. DMZ. Man, I was raised on the outfit. I lived on that desert to an hour. They were in the supper. They were coming from the, my outfit. And I was a friend with them because I didn't know why. He was in fifth range. And they were fifth range. And they were two fives. Up on DMZ, they got real bad about them. I lost six. Four by four men one night. And the guy's where they had to go back to the Okinawa and get the Marines. And they, they had a radio and they had a lot. Set the submarines and the fifth marines. They were on DMZ a lot. That's why they're coming from the office. They didn't be about them. It's about DMZ. Overall, we would wire up it. Where they did it earlier. Have a cap image, is what we call it. You know, heavy, it was an heavy left to a brain. Got a metal bond there. You know, she ain't got a place. You can call that a half image after him. We were most of the mountains, trained up here, away. The mountains were up a mountain lot, down the rivers at the top. So we had the operation done. Gary, let me let me ask you, and I, I we gotta we gotta start to to uh, wrap this up here. But um, when you 
when you came home from Vietnam, what was the reception like as as a Marine that, that had served over there? No, I I didn't get it hot. I even guys like Kevin and Chad. But that was that was the direction of the didn't care so much Vietnam so you didn't you didn't see you know because that's one of the things that they always make it a point to to show people. I mean, you look at like Forrest Gump when they come home and and you know they're they're you know disparaging him and stuff. Did did you experience any of that when you came home? No. Good. Good. That that really warms my heart. That's Gary. That's one of the things that really aggravates me because you know when we came home from over in Afghanistan and Iraq, we had a hero's welcome. I mean, it was. It was overwhelming, to be honest with you. And, you know, you, you see, and, and maybe it varied based on where you're at, you know, being down in Texas, I'm sure uh, it was a little different for you because you got people in Texas that actually appreciate, uh, you know, what the guys do, whether or not you agree with the mission overall from the top, they appreciate what the guys on the at the bottom were doing. And, and we were the guys at the bottom. So that warms my heart to hear that, Gary. I have just friends that I knew. Something like that. After all the work. Like, baby, how you doing? And then I was so bright to do that like that. Well, I got a... Well, uh, the, the, last, the last question I got uh, for Gary is, uh, I see a flag behind you, Gary, that says... Uh, uh, don't blame me. I voted for Trump. Uh, how do you how do you feel about President Trump, Gary? I voted for him about three or four times because I like him. He's a good man. He can be, he can be, he's a good leader. He's a good leader for the United States. Amen. I like that. <laughs> well, I like Corporal, that. Corporal yeah, Gary, I, go ahead. All right, Corporal Gary, I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight here on SITREP. Uh, I want to thank you for your service, Semper Fidelis, and uh, God bless you, sir. Appreciate you. Semper Fi. Semper Fi, Gary, Semper Fi. Hell yeah. All right, folks, that is, I, I mean, this is this is a, a generation of folks that, you know, they're not, they're not going to be around forever, and we got to get these stories on the record. Uh, that, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, as, as he's as he's sharing the stories, and and I'm I'm visualizing in my head, like you know, we know you know open area combat, and we know urban combat. You know that that that's that's what we were exposed to. But I do remember there was a few times in Iraq, believe this or not, there's forests you know, of like, you know, palm trees and, and, and high brush. And it was very intimidating, man. It's like, I'd rather go over there where those cities were. When you saw this tall grass that was like six feet tall, eight feet tall, you know, it's taller than you and trees. It was just another beast, you know, and granted, you know, we didn't do, you know, very much, you know, uh, jungle, jungle style warfare training. You know, a lot of us training we did was like Mount, you know, we did a lot of the Mount training. But I remember just thinking, like, you know, looking off and because if, if there's an ambush, that's a perfect place for it to come from, you know. And 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 to that point, a lot of because when we got hit with IEDs back then, 
they hadn't gone trained by like the Syrians and all those to do the remote detonation. So when they would hit us with the IEDs, they still they were still wired up like, you know, anti-tank mines, whatever they're using. But there were there were it was, you know, a manual, you know, a manual ignition is what they would have to do. And it was always close to the trees because they would run that cable all the way out into the trees for for freaking cover. And just knowing that this was this was their fight. This this is where they did their daily fights. And, you know, I don't know a lot about mortars other than how loud they are and what they do to the ground when they hit it. But when I was listening to you kind of explaining, you know, how they'll do the, you know, the, 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 where they uh, detonate, you know, before they actually impact the ground in the air. And I, and I know about mortars when they impact, you know, we, we've, we've been on the receiving end of that stuff. It's a violent explosion. And to picture that in the air with the trees and then all the shrapnel that it creates, like that's a, that's an ugly scene to picture, man. Yeah, hundred percent, and especially knowing, I mean, when you're when you're talking about mortars, like I said, those are pre-registered targets. You know, those are targets that uh, now, now, granted, you you could call do call for fire and and get guns onto a, a target that a forward observer you know picks out. But a lot of these, you know, they would have FOs out there that would call it in and say, "Hey, they're about to approach this zone," and they would you know drop 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 rounds on on your on your patrol as it's going through. And dude, that's pretty devastating, man. Like, I know there was, I know there was a little bit of a, a hard time there, you know, understanding, you know, everything. But we, we got the gist of it. I, I hope you guys were able to. On, on your end, we've got a little more uh, sophisticated uh, <laughs> uh, listening devices, so we were able to pick up quite a bit on that. And, um, you know, going out there, I, like, I, I just exactly what you said, Alpha. I can't, I could never in a million years imagine walking through a de a jungle where your field of vision is five feet, five, oh, five yards, I think he said, five yards in either direction. Like, think about that, knowing that there are thousands of, 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 of fighters in, the, in, in your vicinity that want to kill you, and you're walking with a visibility of five yards, and you're making all this noise, they know exactly where you are. You know, there's there's no doubt they know just based on sound, they know if they shoot in that direction, there's probably at least at least four maybe upwards of 12 to 20 of you that are walking through there you just open fire spray and pray and and hope you hit something i think about this can and i'm not i'm not trashing on our people in the air force or you know the the marine air wing i'm not trashing on you guys right because i love you guys you saved our asses more than once but you know when we would get air support right you're talking pre precision guided missiles laser guided bombs you're talking about the most sophisticated technology and it still was nerve-wracking bro it's like you knew it was coming right and like you're like please like don't be off a little bit and that's what the most high-tech gear imagine these guys like he said b-52s bro like you're, a, it's a dude looking through, you know, what's a, like a, a periscope or something yeah. down, you know, like, you know, that's a, you know, that's if you, for the guy on the ground, man, you talk about shitting bricks, you're be shitting some bricks on that one, but, and then you need it, you need, it. and, and back then we're dealing with napalm, you know, a bunch of stuff like that, that was being, you know, dropped out there. It just, just mad respect. And, and I do know, you know, some of the stuff it's, it's hard to understand with what Gary was saying, but you can catch the point to make the story, but you can also just see in his eyes that he's reliving 
that memory of what happened and, and there's power in that just the acknowledgement of that because you're right man you know these we only got limited time to grab these stories you know from the from the old timers man and we got to do our best to, to to freaking put that down on audio put it down on tape man yeah my uh my um uncle uh was a vietnam vet himself he was a uh, a radio operator and he was also an m60 gunner so he carried around the big boy the m60 and um you know he 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 before so so growing up i always heard heard stories about you know big michael is what we call them big mike i'd, I'd always hear stories about him and um his time in vietnam you know the, the night terrors that he would have after he got back and everything like that and uh you know he never really would talk about it to anybody not not my aunt his wife you know not my you know his kids nobody he wouldn't talk about it and then like i'll never forget when i got home from afghanistan after my first deployment we went out to dinner i went up to north carolina to to visit them and we went out to dinner and uh you know everybody kind of went about we were we were at a cherokee casino and they all went out in the casino and him and i just you know were kind of hanging out there and he opened up to me like he told me everything you know that that he went through and how you know he essentially he, he lost basically his entire platoon he was the only survivor from his platoon which is unheard of for a comms guy usually they're the first to go your comms guy and your lieutenant are the first ones to go uh and and so i got to hear that whole story and that's you can see the pain that they're going through when they're retelling some of these stories but these are things that have to be you know they have to be said these the these and not just because you know these are these are stories of our history but they're also they're, they're uh kind of like warnings prophecies for uh you know where we're going in the future you know that's one of the things i love about donald trump no new wars you know let's figure out a way to do this diplomatically economically whatever it may be and and stay away from sending our 18 to 24 year olds off to die for this it just imagine if we could just download the courage that these guys had man it's just it's a different it's a different time man different time i do think we we still had one ad though i want to make sure we don't yeah, forget that absolutely let's go ahead let's go ahead and jump into our final sponsor we got all the patriot sponsors tonight all the american first well i mean all anything on badlands is going to be america first but how about your Patriot trainer? Badlanders, it's time to start to re rebel against the system. The powers that be, they don't want us healthy. They thrive on us being sick, overweight, and dependent. They've been manipulating our food, infusing it with chemicals that cripple our metabolism, making it impossible for us to burn fat and stay healthy. That's where the Patriot trainer comes in. With over 15 years of experience as a personal trainer and a health science researcher, Dan Lyons created a course that's a weapon against the deceit of the elites. You'll learn the science behind the, these metabolism-destroying chemicals, how to avoid them, detoxify your body, and ultimately repair your metabolism. This Nutrition for Freedom course is a fortress of knowledge for knowing for those who've been labeled as quote-unquote science deniers. This course equips you with real, untainted science, preparing you for any debate about nutrition and weight loss. Take control and ignite the torch of health and independence. Visit Badlands media.tv slash trainer and enter promo code badlands for 20% off the nutrition for freedom course from patriot trainer again that's badlandsmedia.tv slash trainer promo code badlands all right if, if, you, if you know an old timer you know you got one in the family and and they're willing to share the story connect us connect us you guys yeah for sure guys if you got you know uh 
World War II would be epic, man. Like I, for a World War II vet, you know, I would probably figure out a way to get us out there to do that in person. I want to make sure. Yeah. I want to make sure that we have the, you know, the, 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 the capabilities, you know, good quality mics, good quality cameras, get everything kind of set up and, uh, and, and be able to edit it after the fact, you know, we'll do a live show on it where me and alpha will comment before and after, but have a live stream or, or excuse me, a pre-recording of this with, with good quality editing and all that. That's, that's really what I want to do. Uh, I would love that, man. Yeah. At least once or twice, you know, once a month, every two months, something like that. You know, I've got a few. Man, what if you were in World War II, though, how old would you be right now? You'd have to be uh, close to the three digits. Wouldn't you? I mean, on the tail end of World War II, 1945, figure you lied about your age at 17 to get in means you were born in 1928 you'd be 94 so you'd be if somebody knows somebody knows somebody knows somebody from world war ii connect us connect us so we can make that special thing happen that would be damn that'd be awesome yeah there's not many left man i you know i i I think somebody you know you, you always see the story that floats around of the 112 year old Marine Corps veteran that drinks whiskey and smokes cigars every day. And that's his, you know, science for, uh, or his, uh, his, his recipe for long life. Have you ever seen that? It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a screenshot that pops up every once in a while. It's a, uh, you know, a, a really, well, I mean, he's old now, so he's, but it's a, an old black dude with a big gray beard and he's just sitting on his porch, drinking a whiskey and smoking a cigar. And it's like, that's, that's my recipe for, long life so but yeah um, we got, realized good a couple of comments in the chat you have a uh, gum gum says uh my dad was 95 and uh died in 2016 i'm sorry to hear that yeah i, th- I, th- I think I'm we're pretty much you had some cool stories though i, I think we're going to be pretty much relegated to war- vietnam a lot of vietnam guys maybe maybe we could get a korea guy that'd be pretty cool especially because you know a lot of a lot of the Marines, the way that we are today, came from Korea because that was the first kind of uh, insurgent kind of war where guerrilla tactics were used. Obviously, it escalated uh, during Vietnam. Vietnam was the foundation for, I, I think, every war that we're going to face uh, moving forward until we end up fighting against uh, you know, somebody like a Russia or a China or something, God forbid. Um, the Chosen Reservoir, man. Yeah, the frozen chosen. Yeah, that's hard. The hardest Marines to ever walk the earth, man. I mean, these hands, dudes were hands down hardest Marines to walk the earth, bro. These dudes were in negative degree weather, wearing you know cardboard on their feet. Like that's that's what they had to keep them warm. I mean, guys with frostbite. You know, I had a friend in the family that had frostbite uh, from from chosen. Uh, he he's long gone. I wish he was still around. I could have gotten him on, but. You know, you you just see these people with with their with amputated toes and fingers, and they didn't lose it from from fighting. They lost it from frostbite because they didn't have the equipment. That's where our cold weather boots came from. You know, all this stuff that went on there, man. It's just, just how badass would it be if me and you could fly out to a location somewhere, and, and, and especially if we got a group of like three or four of these guys. Oh man. And, and just put the, you know, set, set up the lighting, get in a circle and just talk. Yeah. Cause, cause you know how the, it doesn't, even though we're Marines and we're vets, we still don't have the connection they would have with each other. Yeah. And to be present in that, man, damn. 
I wonder if we could get like a sponsor. Like if, if, if anybody's listening out there and you've got a, an America first business and you're interested in sponsoring this, we could probably put this together. I've got all the equipment. It'd pretty much be airfare and hotels. Uh, you know, we could probably put this together for under like 1500 bucks. You know, I mean, airfare would be three or 400 bucks for each of us. Uh, you know, hotels, I mean, uh, you know, no homo, bro. We've done it before. We'll, we'll split a hotel. We'll get twin beds and split a hotel. I, I can um, survive off crackers and cheese, man. Yeah, dude. Let's do this. Man. I'm, I'm down, man. If anybody's out there to sponsor this, you know, we'll, we'll get you up there. I, obviously I got to run it through John. I can't just, I can't just throw this out there, but I mean, I, it's, it's really something, you know, the, the, the library of Congress thing that I got to do was an incredible experience and I got to do it right out of the Marine Corps. I think it was three years after I got back. So it was still fresh in my mind, but yeah, that'd be awesome, man. It'd be really cool. It would be. So, all right, man. Well, I, I, you know, I think we can kind of wrap this up early. I got to, uh, I got to, you know, take care of some things here. Um, cause my wife is leaving tomorrow. So I got <laughs> tomorrow's gonna be a long day. I've got, I gotta, I gotta go to the airport before badlands daily. And then, um, I got the Fanny trial all afternoon and then why we vote tomorrow's going to be a booked day for me. So, um, we'll get out of here a little early. I, I know rug has got a huge show tonight. Uh, you guys are going to want to check that out. They've been, they've been promoting that show heavily. So stick around for G money and rug pull. And, uh, yeah, you got anything else going on? Uh, no, no. Uh, next week, uh, we'll have Colonel Towner on, uh, retired air force worked at the Pentagon for a little bit. Uh, so that that'll be our guest next Thursday. Definitely looking forward to that show, Mister. I you didn't respond to me. I totally did, guys. By the way, I'm exonerated. He that he did. He goes and sends me a screenshot. And he's like, "I uh, put yes right there." Uh, listen, I was I was getting old. You guys, I was getting old. Wow. Sixty six Mustang man says CanCon. The last World War One vet passed away about five years ago and lived in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, just a few miles from Harper's Ferry. Five years ago, that's 2019. Let's just call it 2015. That dude had to be over 120 years old. Because, I mean, U.S. didn't get involved until 19... What year did we actually get involved? 1915? 1917? That's a good question, man. But, I mean, they had to be born in 1900. So, man, you're talking about somebody that's 120 years old. 120. 18 years old and live through a war. Like you don't realize how much of your lifespan <laughs> war takes away, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a damn truth, man. 1917 is what the, what the chat is saying. Yeah, there we go. 1917. Wow, man, that is insane. You, you'd have to be a hundred and like 16 years old, 117 years old. That's legit, man. Bro. <laughs> Bro, you know, I, I'm just trying to hope that I can make it to 80, man, this, with all the stuff that's gone on in this lifetime. You know, I, I think that would be the Lord granting me some some charitable time. That's so. awesome. Well, if anybody out there is interested, if you if you have a, a veteran, you know, from from Vietnam, World War Two, Korea, um, you know, we can even get into, you know, some of the, some of like the, the, the Iran Contra type stuff, you know, um, um, wow. Why is it, why is it like Grenada? I'm sorry. I couldn't think of it for off the top of my head for some reason, you know, Grenada, you know, stuff that predates 
the eighties, you know, the the seventies, maybe the early eighties. If you have a veteran that, you know, might be interested in sitting down and talking with us and has some, some cool war stories to tell about that, uh, we'd be down for that. Also, if you have a business and you're interested in sponsoring, uh, this, this idea, you know, nothing up front, we're just going to try and see if we could get it together. And of course we still have to run it by John, uh, and make sure that everything's on the up and up with this. But, uh, I think that'd be a really good idea, man. I, I really do. It'd be awesome. Especially, I mean, think if we found some old, old timer bomber pilot or something like that, man, that'd be, that'd be cool, what, man. What would be your, like, what would be like your dream interview for somebody? Let's say world war two to, to present. What, who would you want to interview? You don't have to have a name specifically. Like say you no, want no, no. to, I, I I, I I, so there's two, two that I actually have. I would want to interview someone that actually was in the trenches of the war, like trench warfare that really experienced that. Um, because, you know, so we were boots on the ground, but I mean, trench warfare, it, it, people don't understand trench warfare. It's, it's a whole different piece, uh, even compared to like urban warfare. So I would, I would love to talk to somebody that fought in that. And then I would love to talk to a crew member of a bomber. That, that'd be freaking awesome, man. Uh, it, it, now, the pilot would be awesome, but if I could pick, like, you know, the, like, this is the, like, the Super Bowl ticket, right? The belly gunner, bro. The if I could, dude, dude those guys gotta bro. have brass nuts, bro. Bro, the tail gunner, they, like, lay down flat on their belly the whole entire time. And, like, I mean, when they, when they're coming at you, if they come up behind you, you know, you're the last resort there, the upper turret, the lower turret, and the tail gunner. What are you aiming for on a bomber? The tail. Right. You're, you're aiming, aiming for wings and the aiming, tail. Yeah, the tail. The tail's what will put a bomber down fast. Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where you're laying down at, man. You know? If if I could pick somebody, I would want to interview somebody that was either on the Doolittle raids or oh, somebody call. that was in the Battle of Midway. Like I wanna I wanna interview to be honest with you, I want to interview somebody that worked closely with Chester Nimitz, Admiral Chester W. Nimitz. He's one of my all-time heroes. My dad made me read the Battle of Midway when I was a little kid. Uh, I was like eight, eight or nine years old, and he made me read it. And um, it, I love that book, and you, I've been obsessed with that. Good. You just reminded me of something that's important. If you guys know people, because our world has blended a lot since, even people on the other side of the coin of these conflicts. I would still like oh, to interview. Dude. I would still love to interview him. That's another thing I've been wanting to do, bro. Like I want to I want to get a Royal Marine on here. I want to get, you know, uh IDF on here. Like I want to get people from other branches on here as well. I, uh, excuse me, other other countries, you know, allied nations that have fought with us. You know, like that that'd be pretty crazy. I see Mag says how about Pearl Harbor? Pearl Harbor would be great, don't get me wrong, but Battle of Midway to me has has personal uh, nostalgia and personal sentiment because of, you know, uh, you know, reading the book gum gum. Oh man. He says my dad fought in midway. Oh, I would have loved to have been able to interview your dad. That would have been epic, man, man. That would have been awesome. Um, yeah, dude, that'd be excellent to interview some dudes from, from other countries to kind of talk about, you know, their training and what they go through and all that. Like Royal, Royal Marines, man, they make our training look like a walk in the park. So that'd be pretty cool, man. I'm telling you, man, I, I think it'd be awesome. All right. Well, other than that, 
guys, get in the trenches of this information war. Go join me and Ken on Twitter. It, it, only way you fight propaganda is with truth, with facts. And, and, and we need you guys in there helping to share that message. So go, go in the trenches of Twitter and fight with us. Uh, and Braddy says, if you're interested in interviewing my husband, you can message me on X. He was in the United States Marine Corps during Beirut and Lebanon. I would love to. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Email me, cancon at cancon.net. It's really not that difficult. Cancon at cancon.net. Or you can DM me on uh, on on Twitter. I, I don't know Twitter handles off the top of my head, but uh, I, I, I'm imagining that most people that are watching this, you know, know how to find me in alpha on Twitter. So shoot me a DM on Twitter. I would love to, I would love to set that up. So, and uh, last thing before we get out of here, ladies and gentlemen, please smash that thumbs up down there. If you uh, enjoyed the show tonight, a uh, little over 2,200 people watching and only 486 thumbs up. We got to get those up. So uh, alpha, I will see you next week, bro. No, I'll see you're, you're on with us tomorrow night. Aren't you? Yes. Yes. Ah, so I'll see you, man. This is going to be like a whole, like the last three days I've seen two people on Badlands, Alpha and Ash. <laughs> and so I get, I get a break. Chris Paul's going to break it up tomorrow. But I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ash hit me up. I said, I'm not an expert in that stuff like you guys. She's ah, like, be fine, she's, it's okay. You're going to have fun. I said, all right. All right. Bring my crayons with me. I'll, I'll send, there you go. I'll send you over, uh, I'll send you over the report that you got to read. Got You got homework. You got homework. So, all right, guys. Right hit that thumbs up do we i don't think i don't think we have any rumble rants no we do not so we are gonna go ahead and cut the show out make sure you guys stick around for rug pull coming up here in about 15 minutes let g money and the and the and the gang who who's his guest for tonight who, i was gonna ask you i was like what i'm i think it's they, they've been I, I don't know who the guy is but they've been like harping on this You're see if you can pull that up you're gonna make me look yeah I'm looking i know right. i'm gonna make you look now got me all curious i'm gonna make you look special guest mark moss you're slow bro <laughs> now i'm looking up who that is all right guys make sure you jump over there and join g money and patriots in progress uh let's just call him pip 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 like a pit boy, like if you play Fallout. All right, guys. Alpha, you got anything? Oh, um, no, I was looking up Mark Moss. Uh, I found him on Twitter, the Mark Moss Show. Uh, changing the way you think about money, building the world with hashtag Bitcoin, partner Bitcoin opportunity, fun radio show on iHeartRadio, 100 million views on YouTube, um, a huge following on, on X, uh, over 135,000. So it's going to be interesting. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Special thank you to Corporal Gary out there for uh, telling us his story. We definitely appreciate that for Sir Semper Friggin' Fi. God bless, guys. <laughs>